Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Oh, it's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defence of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. <laughs> but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that it, I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Oh, convinced of this. I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. <laughs> this is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it is been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now here that I still have. Welcome to the next part of Philippians. Um, I'm sorry I'm not up on the downs with the best bench in Brighton, just going to be back in our shed, um, but with a nice kind of not a snazzy backdrop right now. Um, I hope you're finding time to get deeper into this book, um, to read it again, um, or maybe for the first time. It's been years since I sat down and read this book from start to finish. I think that's probably something about having small children and um, the concentration of a small fly over the last seven years. Um, but it's worth giving it a try. It's worth getting into the world that Paul is writing to, to come fresh to these words that might be familiar to some of us, might be unfamiliar to some of us, um, but to sit with them until they become kind of strange again and then to get to know them all over again, to kind of sit and think, what is this actually saying? How am I reading it differently to I have before? What am I noticing? 
And what are your questions are you, as you read it? What words stand out for you? What feelings do you notice within you as you read? What bugs you? What makes you want to know more? And then hold on to those questions because um, over the next couple of weeks, at some point, me and Sam and Dave are going to work out how to get a digging deeper session going into Philippians. And I know that some of you are hanging on the edge of your seat for that. I know that some of you um, couldn't give a monkeys, but I know that there are some of you who really um, would be fascinated by that. So let's, um, we're going to make that happen and uh, write down your questions and your thoughts as you read Philippians and we'll try and, um, and work out how we, um, we interact with them in the next couple of weeks. For today, though, we're looking at the second half of chapter one. It's a fascinating insight into the early church. I find it's almost like reading it on someone else's post, uh, reading this letter that Paul wrote to the, the church in Philippi. We get to see what, what issues were big in the church in those days, what daily life might have been like for them. And it's interesting to listen in to what people really wanted to tell these people in Philippi so that then we can listen to what we carry over for this world we live in today. What does this slice of the past have to say to us in 21st century Brighton? We saw last week that Paul is in prison and we know just from reading um, the first chapter, we know that he really loves the people he's writing to. He's constantly thanking God for them. He prays for them. He's wanting them to really encourage them to stick with Jesus. He wants their love to grow. He wants them to be able to live fruitful lives, mature lives that are transforming. And his encouragement continues into the, through the rest of chapter one. And they're fairly stunning, passionate words to read because he's really concerned about the people he's writing to. He really wants to reassure them, to let these people know it's not all over just because he's in prison. And to reassure them that even in the hard, weird, unexpected, interrupted times, that good things are happening. He says the people around him, he references the palace guard, he says they can see the difference that Jesus is making in his life. They can see the joy he has, that he isn't falling apart because of his time in prison. It's not the end of the road for him because it's an unexpected thing has happened. But he still knows joy because he knows the deeper realities to this world. He's able to keep on talking about Jesus and he's crazily happy because of that. There is rejoicing and joy all over the place in these verses. That comes across as you read it. He's really a man who's all about Jesus, passionate about people knowing Jesus, with people hearing about Jesus and with, with being with Jesus himself. He says these huge statements like to live is Christ, to die is gain. And several statements, other statements we could ponder the meaning of for days such as his desire to depart and be with Christ, which he says is better by far. And then he has this little chat within himself saying, well, actually, I'm going to stick with you guys because um, I want to see you grow in your faith. I want you to know progress and joy. It's a fascinating insight into his world. And um, yeah, it's just so interesting to see Paul wrestling with stuff um, that I don't think any of us particularly necessarily wrestle with, but that interesting kind of dynamic that Jesus and longing to be with Jesus brings to his life. Um, and then as he as he kind of works that one out in his own head, he moves on to encourage the people he's writing to, the people in Philippi. He urges them to live in a manner of the, worthy of the gospel of Christ. He says, make sure it makes a difference to you so that other people around you can see, just as they've seen with me, the difference Jesus makes to our lives. He's encouraging them to live out the change of life Jesus brought, despite the opposition they're facing. And he's reassuring them, he's encouraging them, because they were facing people who didn't want Jesus to have changed everything. They're living in a society um, where people just want them to shut up and go away, to stop disrupting the social order, to stop this message that says, well, there's no Jew or Greek, slave or free, man or woman, but we're all the same in Christ. We're all equal. We're all valid. We all have worth and dignity. 
we're all children of God. For the, for the people in charge, everyday life was at stake with these troublemakers around. These new followers of the way were a threat to the empire and the ways of the empire. And Paul was in prison because of that threat, because of the differences Jesus was bringing to his life, threatening the, the established order around him. And we're looking in at people for whom Jesus has changed everything. That's what's so amazing when you look in at the New Testament letters and you see this new, new church um, facing a world that doesn't want it to exist because of how it threatens their society. But it's given them a new community, a new sense of equality in an incredibly unequal world. It's given them a future and a hope. It's something powerful that's reshaped their whole lives and is having an impact on the world around them. I don't know how that sits with you. I find it quite strange 2,000 years on. It feels quite alien. I don't face that opposition in our country. No one is going to put me in prison because I love Jesus. Not in this country anyway. And to be honest, sometimes I forget that the transformation Jesus brings to my, my life, my soul, my body, my thoughts, who I am. I forget that's probably because of Jesus. And I wonder how it is for you. I wonder how this relates to our world in 2020. What does this gospel, this good news mean for you? What does it mean for me? I wonder how Jesus is reshaping our lives. What might it mean for us that to live is Christ? I wonder what's coming out for us in these lockdown times. What are you noticing in these days in your internal world? I was chatting to Sam and Dave about this passage the other day. And um, Sam was talking about the need when times get hard to look at what comes out. What comes out when we're facing pressure, unexpected times, interrupted times? What Paul is saying here um, is that he too is wondering what is coming out for these guys in these times. And he's encouraging them to let it be stuff that helps them live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In a way that expresses who they are in Jesus. I wonder what that looks like for us in these days. Now, it's easy to state the obvious, to say, oh, yes, we, we should be kind to the people around us. We should be more loving. That's the ways of Jesus. But I wonder if it's also about noticing the things in the shadow of our lives and bringing them to Jesus as well. About noticing the stuff that isn't of the kingdom of God and bringing that to Jesus. So transformation can happen in our lives. What are some of the damaging things of our culture that we want to get away from? How are we seeking to question the darker side of the culture around us, to be distinctive, as these guys were so distinctive back then. It's not hard to see in our culture where we're seeing love and kindness and communities helping each other out at the moment. You just have to stand outside on Thursday evenings at eight o'clock and see the kind of love and the desire for connection that we all have at the moment. But I wonder where we've noticed the shadow stuff we tend to sometimes just hide to push down. Maybe in these times we've noticed a greater desire to prove ourselves. That actually when everything that we do has been stripped away, maybe we've been furloughed from our job, um, maybe actually we're stuck at home with kids, maybe actually we're on our own and everything else around us has, has gone. Maybe we've noticed in ourselves a greater desire to prove that we've got worth when everything else that seemed to give us worth has been taken away. Maybe we've noticed an overwhelming desire to be in control. And that fear of being out of control that this situation puts us in. I know I'm noticing that quite a lot these days. Maybe we're noticing areas we compare with others. Um, it's easy, isn't it, to scroll through social media and compare our um, our insides with other people's outsides and just feel a lack. And like other people are getting it way right, more right than we are. There's sometimes ways we might nurture our jealousy over other people's lives and their existences. 
There's ways we might feel bad because we're not being as productive with our time as everyone else seems to be. We haven't made sourdough yet. What's going to happen? Um, there might be that desire to show that our worth is in the things that we've managed to achieve in lockdown. Or to feel less like a failure because we haven't managed to achieve all these lovely things in lockdown that everyone else seems to have managed to achieve. Um, how do we respond to those aspects of our lives that aren't living in a manner worthy of the gospel? That, that are a kind of a shadow side to that? Do we just push them down? How can we bring these things into the light so that we can know more of this life with Jesus thing that Paul seems to ooze out of every pore in this letter? where we empty ourselves and we live for a bigger reality than us and our worlds, than me and my world. Now, I think the answer comes not in just beating ourselves up and feeling a bit crap about ourselves, um, but the slow answer comes in bringing this shadow stuff to Jesus in having the courage to notice it for a start and to bring it into the light and to ask Jesus for help with it, asking for the fruit of righteousness to grow in us, asking again to know the security and the wonder that we are enough that Jesus tells us that that's what Jesus brings to our lives he says you are enough as you are because I made you and I love you and so that we can love and live from the freedom of not having to prove ourselves all the time so we can pay attention to what Jesus has done so our lives can be transformed so then we're free to raise, raise up the weak and the vulnerable in these times. We're free to set boundaries in our lives. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't have to save the world. We can just do the enough that we can do. We can reach out and love to others, not judging their world, but being kind and compassionate. And we can hold our hands out to Jesus saying, I want to be in control, but actually I'd rather you were in control. And ask for help from the one who loves us and knows us and cares for us. I want to leave us with those thoughts of saying, how can we notice this stuff? Of saying, I want to encourage you and me to do this, this hard work of noticing in lockdown, to pay attention to these people's lives from the past whose lives were transformed by Jesus, and to learn from their ways of living with Jesus, to learn what gives them joy, to encourage us to sit and, um, and chat to Jesus about these things. I'm going to pray for us and then, um, oh, I'll hand over to Dave. Well, the video will nicely segue into Dave's. Well, let's pray. Oh, Father, I'm left with a lot of questions as I read this passage. Um, I'm left with a lot of questions of do I know the joy of belonging to you? Or is that joy transforming the way I look at this world? Is that joy leading me to ways of love and compassion and rejection of, of the, the shadow values of this world? Is this joy leading me to more peace and less proving, more acceptance and less striving to show I'm great, more quiet love of neighbour rather than despair at my inadequacy? Oh, help me to notice, help us to notice, help us question, help us be aware of your life and light in us and let that lead us to deep joy despite in and through our circumstances. We need you, Lord. Help us. Amen.